Welcome to another episode of BSing with Sean. I'm your host, Sean Meeks. And on this show, I talk with people living outside the box and who are pursuing their creative and intellectual passions. And I have long form interviews and conversations with them. And just really, I like connecting with different kinds of people, you know, from all walks of life to show the common humanity we all share. And maybe one day, you know, we'll discover life on other planets, too. And I'll extend that to not just Earth, not just unite Earth, but unite the whole universe, you know, go into other dimensions, talk to people from other dimensions, you know. And maybe thousands of years from now, they'll bring back me as a hologram and I can talk to all kinds of people in the future, too. My sister studies that kind of stuff about uh, death and technology and holograms and all that. You should look up her up, by the way, Tamara Nice, you know. The nieces got to stick together, so I just thought I'd plug my sister's thing there. Uh, K-N-E-E-S-E. The, you know, the, the name, the K is silent in her name. But anyway, for this episode, for this episode, I'm going to play you a conversation I had with Rostafa, R-O-S-T-A-F-A. And he is a musician and an activist. He does a lot of uh, folk music and... A lot of other genres as well and he's also an activist so we get into a discussion in the episode about current events and black lives matter and the recent verdict uh guilty verdict of derek chauvin for the murder of george floyd and also the protests that happened last year and some of um how he likes to use art as a way to bring people together and break down barriers which is what i like to do with my show and one of the main reasons he wanted to come on my podcast was to talk about a music festival he's setting up here in montclair new jersey it's the second annual kemet music and arts festival and the first one was held last year during the height of the pandemic on september 27th 2020 and it was in jersey city and it was organized by civil rights activists across the state of New Jersey. It provided a platform for musicians, artists, and activists to bring positive encouragement to black and brown communities. It was also a platform to promote black and brown businesses dealing with the new, the hard times of the new normal during the pandemic. And through hard work, determination, and help from all associated with Kemet, left a lasting effect on Jersey City community. And I'm reading from Eventbrite. This is the, where you can purchase the tickets for this The upcoming event, which is uh, this year, Saturday, July 31st, 2021. The rain date will be August 1st. And Kemet comes to Montclair Brewery in Montclair, New Jersey. Rostafa, musician and founder of Kemet, is bringing both a live and virtual concert and arts experience coming towards the end of the pandemic. This year's Kemet Fest is a fundraising event dedicated to an album project by African-American musicians to aid a a black business in need. The album is called Black is Beautiful, which is dedicated to black culture worldwide during trying times in the black community. Once the project is completed, 20% of all album proceeds, merchandise, and performances in the material will be donated to a black business in need. This year features local talent including Rostapa and Company, Lynette Live, Howlin' Poets, and returning to a live stage since the pandemic, Little Bastard. I'll post the link to that in the description of this video, and you can read more details on the event in the Eventbrite link that I will share in the video in the and in the audio version of the podcast description as well. Anyway, without further delay, here is the episode, and I hope you enjoy it. Yeah. So how's it going, man? It's been a while. We did we did this before, right? Oh, it's been a few years. Yeah, that was uh, July. That was before I did. Yeah, that back video. in twenty sixteen. Yeah, twenty sixteen. Yeah, and I feel like it's interesting. I feel like I have different kind of eras of my show. I'm liking this era a lot. This is um, the uh, in outer space era, but I think the best one is going to be the Sean in his own studio getting paid to do the podcasts. Sean yeah. in his space. Yeah, Sean in his professional studio. Having millions of listeners, that that's going to be the best era. But this is one of the best years too, you know the the outer space era. <laughs> well, we all got to start somewhere, right? So might as well yeah. start, you know, on top, start in space. Yeah, exactly. Exploring new galaxies, and well, right now I'm outside Earth, but you know you got to take it slow. I just got off the planet, and I'm going from there. So. <laughs> <laughs> you're in, you're at least in orbit at this point. Yeah, exactly. 
And, well, and for just the listeners, I have an outer space background here. If you watch the video, you should look at the video version sometimes if you only listen to the audio, because I have the video of the interviews up now, too, which is pretty cool. Sean has a face that a mother would love at her kitchen table. Trust me. Yeah. He's, 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 he's good looking enough. Check, please invest into his visual uh, uh, adventures, if you will. Please do. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. We got, we got uh, two, good, two good looking people here today for the show. <laughs> the BSing. Yeah. So um, uh, I guess just start off talking about yourself. I know you're, you're a musician and you're also, I guess you're a bit of an activist too, right? Because you're doing this show that you wanted in Montclair that's kind of uh, for a cause to support black owned businesses. Is that, that's kind of what I saw from the event you showed me there. Yeah. So, I mean, again, I'm a graduate of Montclair State University in uh, 2015 uh, from the uh, BA theater studies program. Um, and it wasn't just necessarily just musicals, but straight plays and all other stuff. Cause I was in theater for a long time. Um, also trying to get into film and that type of thing as well. Um, so, it really started for me like yeah i would say like 2016 was like the the first fundraiser that i did with like multiple bands and we did it over at garwood's um crossroads bar uh which is a, actually a really nice place and it was really really cool and we raised a good amount of money for the uh uh the the foundation that we were doing i think it was a charles sellers foundation and in 2018 i was sort of kind of like wanting to do something else but i wanted to do something that i felt like meant a lot to me and could also work in different avenues in different areas and what we decided to do was um or at least me that i decided i wanted to do was uh, a tribute to um george harrison's uh concert for bangladesh which by the way a lot of people should actually really watch not only the movie but listen to the album because technically in america let alone around the world that was like the first major concert fundraiser this was before live aid farm aid or you know any of these charitable i mean the prince's trust like any of these charitable organizations that would come out and support a cause and the cause at that time was bangladesh was pretty much in just like disarray um you know whether it be starvation whether it be like lack of uh medical supplies or whatever it was just like that really struck ravi as something that was really really bad and basically uh, went to um, went to George Harrison, his, his good friend, uh, which, by the way, that relationship brought both East and West personalities as well as cultures sort of kind of like at the like the middle of the 60s to kind of like build up our world back through like, you know, again, music and all that stuff. And I felt like that would be a good initiative at, at the time, which was, again, in Montclair. We actually did it at the uh, Unitarian Church which is where they had multiple concerts, you know, in the, in the, in the, uh, in the past years. And it went from just being about raising funds for a trip that I was going to go on. Then, uh, what happened was, uh, a house of prayer that I go to, which is kind of different from a church, but it's where churches come to come together, got flooded. And I realized I was like, you know what, I want to give back to my community. And that became more of that than my own sort of kind of, you know, uh, self-serving, you know, kind of goals that I have, but it really brought it back home. And I think we raised about maybe up to $1,700, which was really cool. And, um, you know, I always wanted to do more, but it was just a matter of like, you know, what does that look like? And then of course, you know, 2020 comes and we go through the pandemic, we go through all our challenges, but then all of a sudden we're going back to, civil rights we're going back to black lives matter we're going back to indigenous lives are being you know under attack we're going against you know latin x we're going against people that are asian descent and i'm just like this is not right and around the time of george floyd's murder and uh me understanding about brianna taylor and what was going on i really was taken aback to an idea that you know, nobody deserves to die unjustly as well as regardless, I mean, again, regardless of what skin color you are, but again, no, the fact that the family's only gotten like compensation to a degree by the state or whatever people that paid them, but that doesn't bring a, a, a son or a daughter back. It doesn't bring a family member back. And I just started writing immediately and uh, it started to turn into an album project that I'm now currently working on, which is called Black is Beautiful, which is a dedication, not just to what's going on with, you know, 
uh, police brutality, but really an overall dedication to black culture and my love for black culture. And just to let people know I'm multiracial. So like if one of my tribes gets hurt, I come running. So it's not like so what, I favor what, one of what the is other. your, uh, I'm just curious, what is your full background? Uh, Ethiopian, Native American, Dominican, French, Irish, and Italian. Okay. Yeah. So I kind of grew up with this whole idea that like if one of my tribes or one of my ethnicities were ever like under scrutiny, I would call people out and not to do that to demoralize, but more so to educate. Because the thing is, is that, you know, just the other day, I just posted something on my Facebook, which was a black portrait of uh, a father, a grandfather and a son, and they're all kissing each other. And um, in, in a very, you know, uh, eloquent way. And then all of a sudden, uh, a friend of mine shares it. And then a follower of his made an ignorant comment going, well, you know, there no father, black father, not not directly, but almost to the extent like black fathers are never there and they're just a bunch of deadbeats or whatever. And I got infuriated. So this idea of white privilege or this idea of uh, separatism or this whole idea of inferiority that you try to put out there and make somebody feel inferior based upon your standards and what your experiences are, you not only practice racism, you literally expose yourself as racist. And again, one may not think that they're prejudiced, but the thing is though, that's based upon the idea that you're gonna take a stereotype of a community and you're going to generalize the community based off that stereotype. And unfortunately, there are people that are still out there that say that they're not prejudiced and yet all of a sudden make commentary like that. And that's why, again, it's very important that you stand in the gap, not, you don't, you don't, badronize or you don't like you know bash somebody just because they said an ignorant comment however though you will say to them look i am this you may not know this about me you don't even know me from adam but the last thing that you're going to do is disrespect a positive message that is going to literally bring a certain sense of um wisdom that you can use but again no we all have our own experiences so that's another reason why I'm involved in civil rights. It's because the idea that it's not a matter of being politically correct. It's a matter of being morally and, uh, accountab and, and accountably responsible for our actions and what we say. And going back to uh, the fundraiser aspect, that was another reason why I wanted to do my fundraiser that I created called Kemet Music and Arts Festival. And for anybody who doesn't know what Kemet means, Kemet means black or black land in Egyptian. And I use the uh, the cliche phrase that, you know, when you're on Kemet ground, you're on black land. And uh, the thing is, is that we're not trying to be separatists when we just say that this is a black event. Anybody can show up. Anyone is welcomed. Anyone of any ethnicity, of any cultural background is welcome to support uh, black art. You know, black owned businesses, black musicians, and just people of color in general. And the reason why I did it was because I wanted to bring some positivity into communities, because especially after all the marching that we did and all the, you know, the protesting that we did, and we still are doing that to a degree, um, I wanted to bring a positive, nonviolent nature to it all. And we did it in Jersey City at Berry Lane Park, and it was successful even despite, you know, the pandemic. We all distancing and stuff and it was a great turnout we had people from pennsylvania new york and new jersey overall from both north and south uh this year we're going to be doing Kemet music arts festival 2 and this is going to be at montclair brewery in montclair new jersey uh saturday july 31st rain date if necessary sunday august 1st from 2 p.m to 10 p.m and the goal this year is actually because we're doing a fundraiser. Remember for that album project that I'm a part of, Black is Beautiful. And our goal is to raise ten dollars to $12,000. So that way that we can have enough funds going into the studio and being able to record what we need to record. And then the distribution and all that other stuff comes later. And then once the album and merchandise that comes along with that album is released, 20% of it is going to go into a Black-owned business in need. So in other words, People are investing in me. I'm investing back into the black community. So this this is um so this is something you've been you've been doing a while now. This isn't, but now you're getting more into it given some of the current events with George Floyd and everything. Or 
Yeah, because, you know, my activism is not necessarily just based on marching, protesting, rah, rah, you know, screw this person, because at the end of the day, anybody can do that. My whole thing was, I want to bring people from all different types of disciplines in one spot, not just to invest into other people, not just to invest their time and their energy in uh, loving the performance aspect of what we do, but realistically building, you know, conversations, because I think one of the biggest, I think, I truly believe this. I think the reason why we have so much war and violence in our world is because we have a lack of communication. And I, there's a breakdown in communication. Um, I think uh, one time Carlos Santana was talking to David Crosby about, you know, how, how, you know, how does he feel about performing for politicians, right? And, and uh, Santana said, you know, it's not so good. Like, you know, the president asked me to play for him and I said, no. The Pope asked me to play for him and I said, no. And David asked, well, why? And Santana's like, well, let's just say that the Pope, let's say has $3 trillion maybe. You can give a portion for that and feed everybody for the next 100 years. I think me and the Pope have a different agenda. <laughs> and again, and, and, and he's right because that's somebody not talking to somebody. And I think you can't demonize somebody else that you're talking to that's exchanging information that is revealing the ills of where we're going wrong in our human race, in our society. And it's more than just about power control and, and all that stuff. It's really a matter of rising above the occasion of, you know, oppression against the odds, against what, you know, the, quote unquote human condition is because unfortunately people like to compartmentalize each other. And I am not the type of person to do that because at the end of the day, everybody has a story to tell. Uh, my story is really just more or less a, is being a bridge to, you know, bridge out, you know, different people from different places and bring them together and unifying. And I think uh, one of my spiritual brothers that I go to church with uh, prophetically proclaimed that I'm like a culture setter. So I definitely step into that role unapologetically. And I think festivals like these are very important because again, it's more than just an ethnic festival, it's a celebration. And I wanna celebrate, especially coming out of this, you know, worldwide plague that we went through because, and that's essentially what it was. And the fact that there's been also a lot of stereotyping and prejudice even against the plague itself through the Asian community, and also a lot of just pushback from, you know, all governments in general in terms of, you know, not being more productive and more honest with their people, especially when they knew about it way in advance before we even got into uh, the, uh, the pandemic lockdown. And again, that just comes down to a breakdown in communication. And that's why we need to really be responsible and not just worrying about how much money we're gonna lose or this and that, and more about how are we gonna save lives? Because at the end of the day, you know, you can build new jobs, you can replace jobs, you can build new companies, you can replace this and that, you can give credit where credit is due in a certain way. And it has nothing to do with politics, it has everything to do with your heart posture. And unfortunately, you know, there's a lot of people that lost jobs, that lost lost people, lost family. I mean, I lost friends to yeah. the virus, you know? Uh, you know, and I think, there was even discrimination really against the black community because again, the black and, and brown communities were heavily getting taken out by the, by the coronavirus in large numbers. And um, the fact that Africa as a continent was able to really battle it the way that they did and was able to rise, because remember they went through Ebola, you know, and were able to get over that. And it's just, I feel that um, we as a society have to be even more responsible with not only how we think, how we feel, how we, uh, you know, do life, but realistically, before we even open our mouths, we need to think before we answer. And I like to use the arts as well as communication as into, you know, uh, supporting uh, people of color in any capacity than just using my words, you know, just because again, anybody can have that conversation, because again, I think music as well as you know even worship music or any type of you know musicality can evoke that conversation and evoke an emotional response that makes people want to do things because all throughout the pandemic that's all i did was just do things um virtually played concerts i you know um did social distancing events and as a matter of fact from a personal standpoint that was actually one of my most financial successful years in 2020 because of the way I was able to handle myself and take advantage of the opportunities that I had. 
And I find that to be a blessing for myself. I, you know, again, I can't speak for anybody else, but you know, right now we just need to, I mean, I think people really want to get back into the groove again and supporting people and investing into people because I think coming out of this pandemic, I mean, things are just going to be so successful for those that are starting up a business or getting back into the business. And instead of just retreating, going to Florida, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And, and live shows are starting up again too and everything. And yeah. And yeah. Improv- yeah. I, I was doing i I'm doing some improv jams again at the pit. I mean, it's vaccinated only. That's starting up again and there's other in-person things i've been going to and I'm, I'm glad you know it adds to uh life to even not having to i mean once you're vaccinated you don't have to wear like a mask at the gym and stuff like that like it makes it easier well it depending it, yeah. depending on the spot because there are certain people that still require you to have a mask and you know and it's funny too because you know after i got vaccinated you know because uh, i know people that don't are not for the vaccination and they and they actually do care about like you know their bodies and stuff but then there's also people that just don't care and just are you know uh you know on the conservative end that really want to like just like screw this whatever i'm doing whatever the heck i want but i'm like well that's the thing though if you didn't know how to take care of your body before the pandemic that really shows now yeah i've mainly encountered people that are kind of scared of the effects but for me it's like i i had two uh twice i had roommates that got covid and got sick and then i had to it kind of interfered with my life because then I had to quarantine and then I had to move back home for a bit while they recovered. And then also, um, yeah, I mean, also I edit a heart health podcast. That's like my medical expertise there. And I've heard a lot about the, the, you know, from the doctors, just about like the effects of COVID and everything. And it's a lot worse than anything I've heard of the vaccine, but I do know a lot of people who are just kind of, I guess, because I don't know, maybe people don't trust like, the powers that be or they think that um i guess they're just worried about long term whatever long-term effects there could be yeah 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 because i literally talked to a doctor right before i even got my vaccinations and they even say we don't know what's going to happen 10 20 years from now we don't know if it's something's going to be hereditary that's going to build up and that's going to affect the child if you ever wanted to have kids you know but the one thing that i did here are my here are my reasons why i got them one was the fact that I wanted to travel and I didn't want to stick the uh, the Q-tip gimmick up my no- in my nasal cavity because that thing, because I remember I got my, uh, my, my vocals looked at a number of years ago and you had to go through your nasal cavity in order to look going down your throat. And that was like one of the weirdest and most like uncomfortable feelings I ever had. So, and I only got tested one time and I was already good and I knew I never got sick once and never was carrying the virus because I would always be in touch with my MD. Uh, even after when they started opening uh, doctor's offices up, I went in and they were always telling me I was good. So I never had an issue with that, knock on wood. Um, And then, you know, the other reason why I wanted to get vaxxed was because, you know, especially if it's somebody who cares about their body, I want to make sure that I care about mine before going into their circumference because, again, I want to make sure that they're comfortable before I'm comfortable around. That's just who I I got. I got the Pfizer shot and I heard that was like the best one for me it was also that i have older parents and i wanted to make sure they were okay and there's just more you could do like you have to show your vaccination card for a lot of places and i also found out i was asthmatic too but not Mm. like the regular asthma where you you have it all the time i I think it's related to allergies but i think that that explains a lot of like sometimes why i'd get short of breath over the years and i never knew that had to do with asthma yeah you know it's funny you know i i know somebody who actually has lupus and one of the issues with lupus is that even if you try to get a shot or anything like that it's just going to screw your whole system up and you know you're very very vulnerable and you know like and she she's gone through like a lot of ailments um and uh despite all that you know that's happened like you know she's a trooper man she's a real tough tough woman i don't give her all the credit in the world but i think you know even you know last year when i heard about college frat parties we're having like especially down in like south you know the southern part of america you know they were having parties to see who got covid first and you would get like you know this big pot of money and i'm like wow people just want to play russian roulette with their lives and they were and this was already two months into the pandemic and we didn't even reach May 15th before they started kind of opening up, you know, parks and stuff like that and social distancing, you know, which shocked the heck out of me, man. You know, and it's just one of those cases where, you know, again, like I said before, if you didn't know how to take care of yourself beforehand, I'm not expecting anybody wanting to be around you. And the fact that, you know, 
you know, back in the day, if somebody didn't wash their hands and you saw them walk out the door or whatever like that, that was already disgusting enough. Now it's like, you better wash your hands because I ain't want to get what you got. <laughs> yeah, and, and that was, it was during the lockdown that a lot of the stuff with the George Floyd and everything you were talking about happened. And I think it had kind of a unique effect because everybody was in lockdown and everybody, people weren't out and busy with their lives as much. So it was easier to focus on what was going and isn't that interesting isn't that interesting how people were mobilized and forced to hear about it even whether they want one of the watch or not but hear about it and not even just on the news but just even on your social media i mean it is insane how we're living in a society where everything is pretty much I mean, the internet practically runs everything now as far as like businesses and how we communicate and how we get news out faster than just writing a letter and going on horseback and riding eight days. You know what I mean? We've come a long yeah. way from that. But I think when I think the most significant thing with George Floyd, and again, every person of color that ever was uh, brutally like either beaten or put to death by officers of the law who went above and beyond what their protocol was, literally uh just took the cake for me in terms of the way that george died because again here's a guy big guy going through a mental health crisis didn't even know that his bill was a counterfeit and even the guy who took the counterfeit bill could even said in many interviews he said you know i could have just waved it off but you know what i mean and this could all been prevented but again no as they say in heaven we'll never know so my whole thing right now is like, you know, trying to really sum up what happened with George. As a matter of fact, I'll even just give you a breakdown of one of the songs I wrote. Uh, it's called Four Cops. And um, when I wrote it, um, I literally almost treated it like as if I was reading a newspaper, which is what I did, and wrote about what happened specifically. And um, of course, the lyric changed from almost nine minutes to over nine minutes. So, and it was just, you know, and I've watched the, the whole video I, again, and I had to rewatch it, unfortunately, again, when we watched the trial, but man, it, 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 I just, the old man, if you remember the old man that was in that video, and then he later uh, was in a courtroom and he was just bawling his eyes out, like, you got to understand, if you were not, a, a, cannot feel that, regardless of what you think about George Floyd's past or whatever, you have no soul, because an innocent man, regardless of his past, regardless of what he did, because we all have a past. And God only knows the people that are accusing of George Floyd's past, they don't got some messed up stuff in their closet. They don't have some messed up stuff in their heart that God don't know about. So you do pay the price in one way or another. But for me, I think the unjust way of somebody dying in a situation where things can be prevented, especially by those that apparently we're supposed to trust in law enforcement, we can't trust fully based off a few incidences. But again, no, and just to give a little background, a little bit on myself, I had family members in law enforcement and they also served in the military. So I never once said FTP. I never once said, you know, F the police or anything like that. But I did, however, would challenge police and be like, yo, if you're not calling out your officers and you're not calling out people, especially in your department that you know about that are doing this type of stuff, you need to drop your badge and leave. Because unfortunately, you're not only having them endanger us, you're endangering, you're literally protecting them and endangering us even further. Yeah. All right. Well, well you said a lot there that made me think of a lot of different things. Uh, for, the first thing was about how you were talking about how judging George Floyd on his past. And I was just thinking, you know, there's a lot of kids that went to my high school that, or sometimes they shoplifted or they got involved with drugs. And then some of them turned out okay. Some of them are uh, dead actually now. But, um, I feel like they, 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 and these were white kids, a lot of the ones I was thinking of, they, they aren't judged in the same way for the past as like, I feel like with an African American or like people of color, like sometimes they want them to be saints, like, oh, why don't they go Martin? And then also, why don't they go Martin Luther King's way is another thing they say. But then you look yeah. at the founding of the country, you know, the American Revolution was anything but peaceful. And those were like white, well, I mean, it, it wasn't just whites involved in the American Revolution. There's also, you know, Crispus Attucks and many others involved with that and even just, slaves and even yeah. slaves yeah were battling too and that's the other thing too and just because they were a slave doesn't necessarily mean that they got freedom yeah that's true right? they, thought they, they thought they were going to get freedom but then ended up not yeah. 
Right. And then, you know, the other thing also is that, you know, people always talk about Martin Luther King. Dude, in 1965, I believe it was, or 1964, J. Edgar Hoover said he's the most notorious liar in the United States. And it wasn't until about maybe 20 years later that all of a sudden everybody starts talking positive about Dr. King that weren't for Dr. King originally. And matter of fact, if you go to Montclair uh, on Google and you type in Martin Luther King Montclair, there are images of Martin Luther King talking at Montclair High School and outside are white protesters that are basically saying, oh, you freaking commie, get out of here. And God only knows that they were using the end. Well, Andy was Andy was assassinated. So, I mean, it's even when he was nonviolent. Right. <laughs> and isn't it funny? And isn't it funny how we, we don't know how good we have it until it's gone? Do you know what I mean? And I'm not just talking Martin Luther King, Malcolm X, Fred Hampton, uh, you know, all the tragedies that we've had, you know, within the Black Lives Matter movement. I mean, again, nobody was planning on being assassinated when they try to, you know, be a peace leader. I mean, again, you know, Martin Luther King being inspired by Gandhi, Gandhi being inspired by Thoreau. You know what I mean? It's just, it's insane how we are in a situation in time where, as the human race, we want so much to be loved and respected and to love each other. But then the problem is it's, we have different ways of going about it for our own greed, our own circumstances. And, you know, I go, I go back to Tupac's point of view about the rose that grew from concrete. You know what I mean? Like, you know, even if it had a few petals and it was to the side, you would marvel how a rose can grow out of the crack in the concrete. And yet you wouldn't have known that you know, out of all the dirtiest of circumstances one would go through, regardless of their background, can make you laugh, can make you cry, can make you, you know, do all this other stuff. And you didn't realize that they came from that. And another thing I want to point out is, you know, it's funny, you could talk about my Italian background. When we were marching. So is that, is that like, your mother? Is that your mother's side that's the Italian? Or is that yeah, that's daughter? my mother's side. Yeah. So your, is your mother, so your mother is Italian and what? The... French and Irish. Yeah. Okay. And your dad, and your so your dad's, uh, so you're by, you're by, so you're biracial yeah. then? Okay. Uh, no, multiracial, just because okay. there's like more, there's more ethnicities than I can, you know. And, um, and I mean, again, like, you know, funny enough, you know, we were marching in like Nutley and uh, places like uh, Woodland Park. And, you know, I remember one time there was like this Italian heritage festival that was happening because, you know, of course people were tearing down like Columbus statues and stuff like that, which by the way, um, it's funny, I never really talked about this openly, but you know, again, with, with, with all the statues coming down and all that other stuff and defacing statues, again, I had really mixed emotions about it. So I really didn't think about it too much. I mean, again, there are, the argument is, is that like, you know, people shouldn't tear down statues, but I can also imagine the argument that people have been trying to have statues taken down through writing and people actually, you know, going into a lot of council meetings going, please take down the statue. It's disrespectful now. And even, you know, even the argument, even Robert E. Lee said and quoted that he doesn't want a statue of him. They lost and he admitted it, you know, and stuff like that. But when it comes to Columbus, you know, the idea that Columbus with enslaved Africans, by the way, on that ship as well, came over to the, you know, to the Dominican Republic, Haiti area and practically, and again, not Columbus necessarily himself, but his followers killed innocent native, native yeah. people. And Yet he was ex exonerated by, I guess, the Queen of Spain or whatever. And again, you know, I understand that there are people that say, "Oh, well, this is a part of our heritage, who we are." I was like, "Yeah," but right. also, well, the not other really. Thing... He didn't even he didn't even discover the U.S. Right, <laughs> right, right. Exactly. I mean, Vikings discovered the, the West before yeah. anything else, and, and even before that, Native Americans discovered yeah. the West. Yeah. <laughs> but again, you know, that whole idea that one can say that, oh, well, you know you doing this like oh well why why do we got to be prejudiced because you it's dude it's not a matter of that america can't be a great possibility for all it's just the idea is that people like to have a warped view of history just because they think that by having their pride be in front of their judgment that they have a right to criticize everyone and anything that is disruptive of that nature because at the end of the day this is this is more of a of human rights issue than it is a political issue and also even a financial issue to, in a lot of ways you know and because people profit off of people's emotions like they do in the media yeah. you know what i mean yeah that's true and they profit off uh divisiveness um i, I was just thinking of 
Bacon's Rebellion, you know, that rebellion that was the farmers, uh, many, it was, no, it was the indentured servants. I think that's what it was. Yeah. The, the indentured servants. And then they were, they were, it was like cheap. They were doing like unpaid labor, I think it was. And then they, um, they revolted together against the landowners and then to yeah. divide the, Af the African-Americans and the whites, they started to try to turn the whites against the African-Americans. So they would think, yeah. oh, well, oh, well, you're still, yeah. and then, well, really, they were the ones oppressing both of them. But then they said, oh, but you're still a little bit better than them. And that was a way to divide them. But before that, there was unity. And they were both with Bacon's Rebellion going against the landowners. Yeah, you know, and I think, you know, one of the one of the biggest tragedies is that, you know, whenever we talk about oppression or we talk about any type of suppression of any peoples, apparently it just tightens an ignorant Caucasian person up to the point where it's like, why do we got to keep on being so negative? I'm like, well, guess what? If you're not willing to talk about the negative, you don't have a right to the positive. Like you don't. And I know people that say, well, I'm not racist. I love everybody equally, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, well, do you love everybody equally? Because not everybody is everybody that you think of, you know, and especially behind closed doors when God only knows that there's somebody that you definitely admire and all of a sudden they're doing the complete opposite of what you feel and what you think is right. Um, you know, actually, I'll give you a little example. So I can't remember the pastor's name, but there was a guy last year who made one of the biggest errors in his uh, biblical career when he said that you know, when blacks came over on ships and everything like that, that he called it a white blessing. Let that sit for a second. A pastor, a Caucasian pastor, saying that when blacks came over on ships, saying that that was a white blessing. He got so much back. Like, I mean, dude, I don't even watch this guy. I've never even heard of him beforehand. And I literally told him, and under no circumstances, I will never support, let alone ever condone anything that you do ever again. Not because I can't forgive you, because I already have. That was a famous pastor. Um, somewhat, yeah, regionally famous. That that, it's not that Joel guy, is it? Oh, no, no, it wasn't, it wasn't Joel Olstein. It wasn't him. Oh, yeah, He's, yeah. He, yeah, Joel Olstein's a whole nother bag of bones that I don't want to get into right now. Okay. And again, I'm not, and yeah, I'm not I, trying to- I, I never knew too him. much about him, but he always looked like a shady kind of- God yeah, yeah, I'm not trying religion. to I'm not trying yeah. to demoralize him. Yeah. yeah, I'm not trying to demoralize him, but at the end of the day though, he has done some things that were like not right. You know what I mean, put it that way. But again, we're all imperfect to a fault. You know, we all have imperfections that we're trying to work out, but again, no, this is another reason why, you know, the old saying goes two years to listen and one mouth to speak. You know, that's where my, that's from my grandmother's generation, you know what I'm saying? And that passed down down to me. And, you know, I think it's one of those cases where if we really observe you know and it's funny you know how like it is when you get older you talk a lot less maybe like and you yeah you know just for some people like you know you yeah. talk a lot less because you're observing how you're incorporating or what's coming at you especially when it's like a young kid right it's like oh i'm going through this and blah 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 da, 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 da. and then all of a sudden the parent or the guardian or the teacher or the mentor is like just nodding in their head and going well this is what you should do. You know what I mean? Because again, you have all that adrenaline or all that, you know, uh, you know, that, you know, effrogen or whatever, you know, whatever, just to like, you know, basically, basically say like, Hey, I got all this, you know, energy and I'm trying to like find peace in my Valley and they're able to guide you to the promised land in that vein. So, you know, shout out to all the true, you know, fathers, mothers, teachers, mentors, pastors that actually give a damn rabbis that give a damn. Because, you know, it's one of those cases where, you know, especially when one wants to be violent and one wants to be so angry and they don't know how to handle what's happening to them in real time. That's when it's like, you know, at least in my perspective, that's when God wants to use you the most, you know. Yeah, and I, I was just thinking, I, I, this might be going a little bit back, but I was just thinking that the people who say, oh, you know, George Floyd was just a drug addict and that it's like, if they had a brother or a friend who was a drug addict and then he got killed, would they feel the same way? I mean, you've never known anybody who's like, you've never had cared about anybody who's made not always made the best choices and everything. Like, have you always made the best choices? I mean, it's like, why, 
did that does he have to be a saint for his life to matter? Does he have to do everything exactly correct? You know, it's, right? It's like, it's like people of color are held to a higher standard. Like they have to be in, in order to be good, they have to be like this exceptional, like peaceful, like and and they don't s- s- hold those same stand. The people who say that wouldn't hold those same standards if it was a white person. That's just my impression. right and. It- yeah. Right. No. And just to go off that point, because you bring up a good point, uh, Candace Owens, God, I can, God, I can write books about her. Jesus, <laughs> she's, whew, whew. and it has nothing to do with her politics. It has everything to do with her heart posture. And granted that she, I give her credit because she's like, yeah. well, I'm not going to be labeled a victim, but yet you're victimizing with your words yeah. on other people. Well, I feel and, like she sometimes says things for shock value too. Isn't that kind of her strategy? Yeah. yeah. She, she's yeah. the black woman version of Rush Limbaugh. Yeah. I would like I, to I, think. I get, yeah, I guess kind of like Rush Limbaugh. Yeah. You know, I think Rush Limbaugh didn't... was probably a little more obnoxious, I think. But yeah. yeah, especially yeah. when you talk about people who are mental, mentally challenged. And then you also talk about the Rutgers women's <laughs> basketball team, <laughs> you know. But anyway, which she did apologize for. But again, it's like, come on, dude. Um, so long story short, you know, when Candace Owens said that I'm not going to, you know, make out George Floyd to be a martyr. First of all, let me discredit that right now. Here's how George Floyd is a hero. He was a father. He was a brother. He was an uncle. He was a friend. He was a boyfriend. Because remember, you know, and I didn't realize until I saw the trial that his girlfriend was uh, was white. And again, he he just like you and I, bro, like we have our days where, trust me, it's not good. Maybe even worse than other people. We don't, you know, other people don't know that. And by the time somebody gets to know you, it's like, you know, what the hell? And matter of fact, here's a little shock value for you. So the idea that uh, Derek Chauvin's mom, who comes into the courtroom and says that there's misinterpretations in the media and such and such, maybe there's some truth in that, but there's also a lot of untruths in the sense that what he did was wrong, because what he did was wrong. What he did deserves time in prison. No one is bigger than the law. No one is bigger than the badge in which they serve and they took an oath under. No one is bigger than literally trying to steal one's life just because they think that, oh, this is what drugs do to you. First of all, there were no drugs in Georgia's system that day. None. And yes, he did. You know, well, even, if there, even if there were, so what? Like, I mean... Uh, yeah. Most people, most people, it's like, would there never be a day when they found drugs in my system? I mean, there there could have been days where I died, and I mean, I haven't done anything stronger than marijuana, really. But there would have been days that they found drugs in my system too. Does that mean that oh, I I deserve to get killed that day? I mean, what's <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, and and here's also the other thing, bro. Like, I I know that um, there's a lot of people who battle addiction to this day. I still know people that do, and. One of the things that I find troubling is that when one believes that they come up with a pump, right? Because again, you don't conquer your addiction. You just say, hey, I'm an addict. And every day I have to go about my challenges and not acknowledge what I used to do and just move on with my life. Um, I think Elton John just celebrated his uh, 31st year of sobriety. And, um, you know, there's other people that say, hey, you know, I, I'd stop doing pills and this and that, but I still do weed and stuff like that, which again, I, you know, I have no judgment on that in particular. But then all of a sudden, the conversation changes from a guy who was just living his life, trying to get a pack of cigarettes. And then all of a sudden, he's no longer with us just because of a counterfeit bill. Now, imagine if that person was white, would it be as significant? And also, mind you, what if the officer was black? And then also the idea that, you know, you could change the scenarios however way you want it, but the fact that it happened the way it did is unjustified. And sorry, not sorry, 2020, along with the stories of all these black victims, are going to be talked about for eons, brother. I mean, this is a part of not just American history, this is world history. I mean, think about this. That week, People in Iran, people in Tokyo, Japan, people in Cairo, Egypt, people in Beijing, China, people in Paris, France, people in Toronto, Ontario, Canada, people in Mexico were all marching worldwide. That's insane. 
the fact that we have the technology now to reach people from another country in real time yeah and we're able to come together to say to the world this is not right and if policy doesn't change we will keep on marching and, and annoy you and put gray hairs on your head until you do because we want to feel that we are protected not based upon what your profit motive or your lack of power or your power in a sense that you're trying to hold on to just because it sounds good on your resume do you know what i mean like again it's like I don't care how long you served in office. I don't care what influence you have. My whole idea is that if there are people that have a problem, and especially when there's an abuse of authority and also a lack of accountability from authority, that needs to be challenged. Authority needs to hold accountability and a challenge authority. Yeah, and period. actually, wasn't that the whole... I mean, I know that there was the bad side of the founding. I actually wanted to get into later if you can acknowledge the good and the bad of the history because some people wanted to do away with you know the fourth of july together because not everybody was free I, I was wondering if there's a way you could acknowledge that and also appreciate you know the abolition of monarchy and stuff like that and appreciate some of the good things as well but i'll i'll get into that afterwards wait now i forget what i was going to say first i think we wanted to get into sort of kind of like the uh you know the whole idea of you know again fourth of july you know that whole aspect but then also I, like looking at it yeah so Here's the thing, you know, I grew up in this country, brother. I was educated in this country. I was, you know, taught, you know, moral values in this country. So yes, I am a member of this society and a member of this land that we call the United States. And yes, that I do feel that there are certain things in the constitution that are absolutely vital to our democracy. However, though, that doesn't necessarily mean that if we're truly gonna say all men are created equal, then, what does that term equal mean across the board? What does that mean in saying that, oh, somebody can't work hard? Well, it's not a matter of somebody works hard. Everybody can work hard. Anyone can work hard. That's not the problem. The problem is, is that there's this whole idea of competition with each other that's saying that one can't succeed. It's probably because you don't know how to give. It's probably because you don't know how to invest your time into somebody else. It's probably because you don't know the history of, you know, the fact that at one point or another, like if a black person was denied housing in a good neighborhood, it was probably because that the real estate agent lied to them. And then all of a sudden gave that house to somebody else who happened to be the same color that they were. So there, and again, now there's more restrictions on that in law, but again, no, there's still a lot of battles that are like that, that people don't think twice about even in the medical community. I mean, you know, uh, I mean, again, it, 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 I can literally talk about that for days, but the moral of the thing is, is that, you know, July 4th, you know, to me, yes, it is our Independence Day. Yes, it is technically our, you know, country's birth. But I also know that there's as well as a Jubilee Day called Juneteenth, which now is a, a national holiday. I also know that there are more efforts to create even more indigenous uh, days, which by the way, and all due respect to people who love Columbus or maybe not, I don't know, but I'm absolutely behind indigenous day more so than Columbus day because we are on their territory. Whether you like it or not, we're on native American territory. And I mean, it's a bold statement, but I want to make it. But again, no, as far as July 4th goes, I personally don't have a problem with it because it's taken pride in the idea that we're all a melting pot, but again, no, still acknowledge the individual parts that make up that melting pot. Yeah. That, that's, yeah, that's, I guess that's kind of on the, along the lines of what I was thinking that do you have to throw, like you can, does it have to be, you can acknowledge the good of what there was, like some of the ideas in the constitution, like ideals, even if we didn't fully live up to them when the country started and don't even necessarily fully live up to them now and also acknowledge how far we need to go and how far we come and a lot of the problems and, and that also that the country was founded on racism as well yeah racism slavery trade uh, you know all the above and then again you know america is still young think about it we're only 240 something years old yeah you know what i mean so imagine the idea that we still got a lot of growing up to do as a society and then also Dealing with the fact that, yes, you know, do we want to have things made in America? We want to buy in America and all that stuff. Yes. But remember, there's still international trade. Yeah. But I just and, don't want, I don't, I don't like the idea of exploiting people in sweatshops. across. No, absolutely. Stuff like I, that. Yeah. 
Yeah, because like again, even you know when I found out about Steve Jobs and what he did over in Asia, yeah, I was some just, some Buddhist. I mean, yeah, <laughs> I mean I use an and iPhone, not getting... and I, that you see that mean doesn't mean I don't think that there's yeah iPhones are useful or some technology made is useful. I just think that he was I don't like him and everything he did. So, yeah, and also yeah. them not getting paid properly, like not yeah. having college benefits. Are you kidding me? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like for example, like you're there for hours and hours making sense. And that's barely covering anything for your family. And also you're not getting properly educated and you don't have college credits going into a university wherever you wanted to go. And people are saying, well, why should we do that? Well, it's probably because they're busting their ass for you while you're making billions or millions of dollars off their backs. You know, hence why, again, I think in our generation, the millennial generation, generation Y, generation Z, they're going to be considered known as the self-made generation. Because now the whole idea of minimum wage is really being challenged to the point where it's like inflation is going to hit again. And all of a sudden we're going to want, you know, the minimum wage to rise again. So there's that whole idea of currency that's being built through Bitcoin, through crypto, and uh, which I actually really want to get into even more so because as a you know performer and as a storyteller, you want to have backups in all fa set of factors of your life because you want to be able to take care of yourself and the people you love. Um, and I think for black entrepreneurship in general, it's really about supporting one another by doing this. It's simple, just like the Jewish communities, like the Korean communities, the Mexican communities. What they do is they create a circulation of wealth. And that circulation of wealth comes from almost like when you tithe in church, like 10, 15, 20% of your uh, currency, you put back into your community. And then that creates even more. Because I remember last year, I went to a rally and I asked, you know, people who were making Black Lives Matter shirts, I asked them, I was like, um, how much of that currency is going back into your community? And they're like, oh, it's not, we're just keeping it all. And I'm like, looked at them for a second and I kind of just like walked away. And especially when I was going to buy one, but then I realized, you know, I do support my brothers and my sisters and I will support them in any way that I can. But the one thing that I will not, tolerate is like that whole like yuppie mentality like me 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 it's all about me and what i got to do because that's the survival mentality that's a yeah. fear that, mentality is that, is that, yeah i always thought the yuppie mentality was oh i'm gonna drive a minivan and take my kids to soccer practice and i'm gonna sip on a latte and I don't know, right I guess that's, yeah but i guess that's a yuppie attitude too what you just <laughs> Yeah. yeah, because the thing uh, is, it's like, you know, I, there's a song also on the on the album that I'm writing. Uh, it's called uh, Whitewash City. And that basically is about gentrification in a nutshell, because I think one of the biggest flaws that we have when it comes to new developments in cities and towns and stuff like that, which, by the way, I don't mind if you build, rebuild a new lot or if you build what? a yeah. new... You know, I, just the, like the, how, I just don't like how the big chains drives out the small businesses. And well, that's what I'm saying. They drive yeah. out the small businesses. They drive out the small businesses. They drive out people's apartment yeah. complexes, like people well, that can barely afford the rent. Yeah, it's also raising the rent on the people and moving those people out. Yeah, and then, it's and not then also, like it's not like no. you're you're improving the community for the people there. It's like you're you're forcing them out of the community because they can't afford it anymore than adding new people. Right. And that's and that's the yeah. problem. That's not just in one area of New Jersey. That's all across New Jersey, New York, Connecticut, Pennsylvania. I mean, uh, you know, it, and it's disgusting too because it's like, you know, by doing that, you're you're creating a society in which people who are very wealthy, uh ma majority Caucasian coming in, taking over and pushing out the middle class, the lower class, and you're creating this almost kind of like new utopia of poverty. And that in itself is unacceptable because again, by saying to somebody, oh, you don't work hard enough, that's, that's disgusting. And again, it's not a matter of rebuilding a building. That's the problem. The problem is how much is that going to really raise taxes on the people that are barely making their wages and all that jazz? Do you know what I'm saying? And, and also, and also for a, a, a liberal, a supposed liberal state, New Jersey is pretty segregated too. Like there's heavily, Very. there's heavily Very. Uh, like black areas. And then there's areas that are mainly white. And then it's like, well, remember, like, yeah. well, well, remember back in, back in the day, which was a Wednesday, by the way, <laughs> um in newark and irvington they were predominantly white at one point patterson too and 
a lot of that was, you know, the Jewish communities, the Irish communities, the Italian communities. And then, of course, during the 60s, there was a huge migration going to going to other places because of the riots and this and that. And it just became this huge migration. And now a lot, I believe East Orange predominantly is like 96 to 98 percent black, which is not a bad thing. It's just a matter of, you know, again, things happen. But another reason that, and it's you know, interesting we, that you know, oh, uh, sorry. No, no, no. I was going to say, and the the other thing is, is that that also when we were talking about real estate earlier in terms like a real estate agent trying to sell you a house, you know, I mean, that also created a lot of buzz. If you ever get a chance to rewatch the movie or reread the book, A Raisin in the Sun, that's practically about that type of, you know, subject matter in which we're talking about. Yeah. And I was going to say, I think there's even, there's even parts of like the South that are more integrated now than like certain towns in new jersey like smaller town like certain towns in the south depend like more diverse not like the super small ones but yeah absolutely yeah but yeah man you know i you know i'm blessed man i i i'm in a place right now where you know after all the you know the mental anguish the depression the anxieties especially after going through my treatment because i went through um uh, something called Success TMS, which is a beautiful organization, by the way, that deal with like, you know, uh, mental illness and depending on how severe they are. And the stimulus treatment was amazing. And then combine that with my faith and my, you know, Christianity, as well as my, you know, my tribe of people that I have, I'm just in a very, very good spot to just A, be talking with you and B, to really just want people to invest into each other again and to love on each other again. Yeah, and, and uh, so I'm glad that you you said you're doing better with anxiety and depression and everything, and and that faith and spirituality was a big part of that. Yeah, yeah, because um, absolutely. And I'm not. I mean, I I have a lot. Uh, I I don't know if I call it anxiety or more ruminations, like o- OCD kind of you know fixating on the same thought, which causes a lot of anxiety and sometimes works me into a depression, but. It, if I had to put a label on it, it would be more ruminations with OCD, I guess, which could kind of tie into that kind of thing. And meditation has been very helpful for me in spirituality. I, I'm not really into one religion, but I do take influence from different religions. And uh, I, I like a lot of the Hindu ideas, actually, in the Upanishads and also with Buddhism and Taoism. Also, some of the ideas of Neville Goddard, who was... I, I know he took some Christian concepts, but he, he did it into more getting yourself, like kind of creating your reality through your thoughts. And uh, there was kind of a spiritual thing behind it. Um, but yeah, I, I do think like spirituality of some sort can help a lot with that kind of thing. Absolutely. But at any rate, man, yo, dude, I just encourage anybody and everybody to uh, just come on out to, uh, you know, the Kemet Music and Arts Festival too. Montclair Brewery, Saturday, July 31st, rain date, August 1st, if necessary. You know, it's just, it's one of those cases where it's more than just a concert, more than just a fundraiser. It's a celebration of black excellence, but also black encouragement, because I think that's what we really need from each other is just to encourage, you know, our brothers and our sisters of other cultures and other nations. Because again, it's not a matter about what you feel like you don't have to give. It's just by being there. And it's also by experiencing it. And even if you can't physically be there, we do have a live streaming service through Twitch, Facebook, and YouTube. And you can donate during the stream. I mean, we're going to be on from 2 to 10. That's eight hours of music, brother. And tickets are only $20 in advance, 25 at the door. You can't beat that. And also, there's going to be, uh, you know, Black-owned vendors and, uh, you know, uh, just you know beautiful art food drinks all that stuff and also mind you that you know every for every ticket purchase you know you have to order you know two drink minimum at the brewery there's a lot of different uh great beers that you can select from uh there's also going to be children's activities and you know it's just going to be a wonderful time and i just encourage anybody just to you know get out of their comfort zones even just despite the fact that we went through the pandemic and really put the armor god on and just come on out and just enjoy life again just do life again yeah, definitely. It's good that things are opening up again. And well, it looks like your bandwidth slow. I guess maybe we should. I don't know if there's any final thoughts or things you want to say. I I feel like 
sometimes like I, I, I'm asking the question or like or I'm, I have the thought and then it trails off into another thought and then I forget the original thought. It's kind of like my improv coach was telling me that like, you know, I say a whole paragraph of stuff. But uh, yeah, I don't know. So I, th- I feel like there was some stuff I wanted to get into that we didn't get into. But I think I think we covered most of it. So I don't know if there's any final thoughts you want to say. Yeah, there is, man. I just want to I just want to encourage everybody to support my boy, my boy, Sean, because you know, we go back quite a ways and I know he's been, you know, on the grind. I mean, I, I've, I've been advocating to really try to like, you know, be back on the show again and to really support him and just, you know, you know, BSing around as we do, usually do and just sort of kind of, you know, shoot on the, you know, shoot on the subjects of the, of the modern era and like what we know to be is true and also what we believe to be is speculation and just trying to figure out what's in between. Um, definitely support my boy, Sean. Uh, you know, he's definitely, I definitely see you brother being like the next, like, you know, what the fuck podcast or WTF podcast. Yeah. I mean, I definitely see that uh, because you're like the, uh, you know, you definitely have that aura of just like, you know, whatever the subject matter is and just going off that idea and just keep going. And um, yeah, final thoughts. Yeah. You know, dude, Sean, you're more than welcome to come to the, uh, to the event. Uh, I encourage you, you know, your, and your listeners to definitely come on out as well. Um, and definitely to listen to some really, really good musicians, uh, musicians such as uh, the band Little Bastard, who are the headliners of the event, myself and my, and my band, uh, Rostafa and Company, Howlin' Poets, Oz the Finale. Uh, we have uh, a Latin band called Casavana, uh, Lauren Sherrard, and uh, just, I believe, yeah, and, and also, oh, a band called The Bard, which is a Montclair local band. And it's just going to be, and we're also going to have some speakers and poets and stuff. And if anybody wants to order tickets, they can go to Kemet, which is spelled K-E-M-E-T, Fest, F-E-S-T, 2.eventbrite.com. Uh, you can also uh, go find uh, Kemet Music and Arts Festival 2 on Facebook uh, and say that you're going or what have you. And also, uh, you can also even purchase tickets by calling or texting 201 201- four six three nine three six three and i just hope everybody can make it out there and enjoy the beautiful day god willing we don't get rain and um yeah just really just it man i just want to see i just want to see positivity you know positive energy back in the world again and just really just celebrate life like we normally should do and that's our natural state of being yeah definitely well well yeah thank you for coming on it's a nice day but it's a humid day but it's better than raining or something like that but uh yeah i'll definitely try to check out that uh show that sounds that sounds like right it'll be good to get to go into some local and live shows again and uh yeah man we'll stay in touch and all that absolutely bro dude thank you so much again i apologize for the wi-fi and all that other stuff you know this is what happens when you live in a dead zone but uh dude man it's always a pleasure hearing from you let's definitely wrap it uh, wrap again soon and uh definitely uh you know talk about the subject matters that especially are important because trust me listeners need to they really need, you know, this type of, you know, this type of content because, you know, you never know, you know, who's listening. Exactly. Yeah. And art and like you were saying, like art and music is a good way to, for people to kind of get past those barriers, you know, and connect with people they otherwise wouldn't. And and that's because otherwise people kind of stay in their boxes and compartmentalize like you were talking about before. And music and art can be a good way for people to get beyond that. So I think if anything, art is the thing that's kind of making progress in a lot of ways more than a lot of things and breaking down those barriers, especially like you meet artists from all different backgrounds and everything too. Absolutely, man. Sean, God bless you, man. I miss you, man. Let's definitely do it up one time. Yeah, man. Yeah. Well, I mean, we're right in the same area, so we should hang one of these days, like uh, West Orange, South Orange. So yeah. right. Absolutely. Matter of fact, dude, I'll even send you a virtual flyer, brother, or I'll even send you a physical one and we'll hopefully like, you know, chart it up and we'll definitely get people come out. Yeah, man. Sounds good. All right. All right, bro. I'll definitely be talking to you soon. And guys, keep supporting my boy. All right. Yeah, thanks. I hope you all enjoyed my conversation with Mustafa. I meant to ask him during the episode what he thought the solution was for everything. And he said demilitarization when I asked him afterwards. And also community policing, which was pretty much what I'm for, demilitarization and switching to community policing. And actually, they did that in Camden. They switched to community policing, which was a heavy, had a lot of crime. It was a city in New Jersey with a lot of crime, and the crime went down when they switched to community policing. And also decriminalization of all nonviolent offenses. I think as long as you're not doing something that 
affect someone else in a negative way or hurt someone else, you should be allowed to do it. And as long as you're not... Yeah, so I, I just think that your rights end where another person's begin should pretty much be the only law there is. But, anyway. If you want to keep updated with future episodes of BSing with Sean K, listen to me on Spotify, Spotify, iTunes, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Also, watch the few full videos on YouTube. And that's about it for this episode. I'll catch you on the next one.